be here in the book of Matthew. That so-called COVID is on my mind. I said on television that there's supposed to be something on the way, probably from the same source, that is 20 times worse than this COVID. Well, I don't doubt it. They've got that biological warfare laboratory in Wuhan, China, that Fauci headed up. Now they're telling us that he's gone, that he's retired with big tax bucks. Now they're talking about all the lies that he told. I knew he was lying. How come they didn't? How come they're just now finding out about it? Him and Biden and all of them. Bunch of liars. But are they doing us in? Yes, they are. Are these things real? They probably are. If you read the book of the Revelation, you'll find out that there are things coming. Some of those will be diseases that we've never heard of before. Now, of course, that fellow says that, that, uh, that there's nothing yet to be fulfilled, that the Bible's already been fulfilled. It was all fulfilled back in 70 AD. Well, that's a lie too. That's destroying scriptures, what that's doing, because somebody thinks he's smart, smart enough that he knows more than the Bible. But that's, that's not true. It has not all been fulfilled. Uh, anyway, so that's what's kind of on my mind anyway. Now, about diagnosing the Fauci flu. From what I've gathered, anybody that has it, they have no prescription that they give you for it, is there? Anybody... No prescription. They say take over-the-counter medicines. I'm going to do that anyway. Why would I want to go to a doctor and get diagnosed with something they're not going to do, do anything for anyway? Plus, feed their coffers and their statistics. That's my reason. You can do what you want to. I'm not telling anybody what they can or can't do. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. Anyway, and if I get something that's going to kill me, something's going to kill me. Something is going to put me in my grave. Everybody, you, you all agree with that. There's something. It may already, probably is already working in me. You know, it has been for some time. Uh, I was disappointed under man wants to die. But after this, the judgment. I'm ready for that one because of Christ. Amen. And about this other one, how are you going to go? I know where I'm going. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. Uh, anyway. Anything else on that? All right. I'm glad to see those of you that came out. Good. It is the Lord's day, whether it's cold or not. Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye. Now that would be second person plural and that is an imperative command y'all repent for the kingdom of heaven 
is at hand. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 4. Verse 12. When Je now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Esaias or Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I contend that the message that John the Baptist preached is exactly the message that Jesus began to preach. It didn't spell out ye, second person plural, but in the word repent is the command, and it's ye understood. The same message. John preached it, and Jesus preached it. Now, I think I can make, make a case for this. You go back in the Old Testament, the prophets preached it. I hear this, well, we just need to make sure that we share God's love. You ever hear that? I do. You know, the main message of the Bible is that God loves everybody. Well... Matthew 3 is well into the first book of the New Testament. And you know what it didn't say? Anything about love. I'm not against the love of God. That's one of God's attributes. But God only loves in Christ. But everybody and their brother is trying to get us away from the real message of the Bible. Twenty years ago, David will remember this. There was a, an Episcopalian bishop. Now I'm a Baptist bishop. I ain't no high muckety-muck. But Episcopalians and Catholics and many others, if they've got a bishop, he's a high muckety-muck. He's over a bunch of them. And this was the son of a fireman, a chief. And they ordained him in the, in the local Episcopalian church as the first openly gay bishop of the Episcopalian Church. That's been 20 years ago. Now his claim to fame today is that he loves the color purple, and that's why he has purple fingernail polish on. Now this is the big bishop of the Episcopalian Church in Washington, D.C. Gene Robinson is his name. Now he's already been openly gay, do you see what a what a filthy mess? Really? And then these are the people that talk about love. But they don't mean the love that the Bible talks about. The Bible does spell out love. 1 Corinthians 13, and love rejoices not in iniquity. But anyway, the, what does the Bible teach? What does it actually say? Well, let's look. 
Be as we're in Matthew, look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. This is the first time we encounter the word love in the book of Matthew. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. What? That doesn't sound like we're telling the world that God loves them. Is that, is that what that says? Look at verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. Look at verse 46. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. Well, now, whatever he's teaching there, he's not telling us to go spread love throughout the world. Can that be agreed as an amen to that or something? Well, let's look at uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 12. Verse 30. Verse 29. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Now that is not spreading the word that God loves everybody. Is it? And that's the first time we meet the word love in the book of Mark. Verse 31. And the second is like, namely, is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And of course, those two commandments, they sum up the first two, the two tables of the Ten Commandments. The first one, is about your vertical relationship with God. The second one is about your horizontal relationship with humanity, with human beings. But there's nothing about that that says, tell everybody that God loves them. Not even close. Verse 33. Verse 32. And the scribe said unto him, well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbors himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when, uh, and I'm not reading the rest of that, look at verse 38. And he said unto them in, this, in his doctrine, Beware! Of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces. That's the first time you run into the word love in the book of Mark. Now whatever all that's teaching, now it's pretty easy to see what it's teaching. It is not teaching us to go spread God's love. Not even remotely. Look at Luke. And we're seeing the harmony of the Gospels here. It's about the same. Verse 27, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them with hate you. Uh, verse 32, For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? And verse 35, But love you your enemies, and do good, and lend, and hope, and all right. T teaching the same thing, different Gospels. Chapter 7. 
is about the uh, certain creditor I had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most. It's still not telling us to go spread God's love. And that's the first time you run into to the word love in the Gospel of Luke. <coughs> Chapter 10 of Luke. Verse 27, and he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. There we go again, chapter 11. Forty-two. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and uh, rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and pass over the love of God. And these ought you to have done, not to leave the other also. My point, my point being, we get back to John here now. My point being that we've gone a long ways into the New Testament. And we still haven't heard about spreading a, a message of God's love to this world. <coughs> now I know John 3.16 John 3.16 uh, But that's still, that's third, third chapter all the way in, into the Gospel of John. And you have to misinterpret it to get that message out of it. <laughs> all he's talking about here is that God loved all kinds of people in the world, Jew and Gentile. And the very last verse of that, verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath the everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That would absolutely stop you from telling everybody that you see it on church signs all over. That God loves everybody. <coughs> God wants everybody to be saved. But there's not a word of truth in that. <coughs> look at the Old Testament. I'm not going to get much here, but look at Genesis. Chapter 27. Here's the first mention of love in the Bible. And make me savory meat such as I love. Verse 4, chapter 27. That's the first time we find the word love in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. That's not hardly a command. To go and spread the love of God in the world. Is it? Of course not. Be utterly ridiculous. So in, in order to, to get what they're saying from the Bible. You have to totally distort everything. It's just not there. But now when you get people... If you've listened to any of the news and about uh, these world leaders, Hitler and, and all those kinds of people, they'll, in their writings, you tell a lie so long, people will believe it as the truth. And the bigger the lie, the easier it is for them to swallow. And that's why we live with many of these lies. And this lie is about the Bible. And yet most religionists, whatever, even Baptists, they've fallen into this trap and they believe these lies. And it's just not true about the Bible. However, I think we've already read 
the true message of the Bible. John the Baptist and Jesus repent. Well, now what does that mean? <laughs> that means that, uh, that we're in trouble. We're in trouble because of that. So, when we examine the Bible and not listen to preachers, it's far different. Men force their pagan ideas on the Bible and produce major heresies. But when they trumpet them so long, people begin to back up and listen and believe it. Anyway, the word loved, you see where it's used in the New Testament and in the book of Genesis. Now, is, is the love of God in the Bible? Of course it is. And it must be understood in God's terms, the terms of the Bible, not in ours. Now, what this world, now that thing, I'll tell you where I got that about that Episcopalian bishop. When you click on and you got news, then you click on, that's where it, where it was. I, I don't take a newspaper, but probably got something in the newspaper about him because he's from, from Lexington. He's a favorite son of some Lexingtonians. But anyway, purple fingernails. I mean, you know, th this, this is where religion is today. Uh, anyway, repent is a message first to the lost. Amen. That's the message to the lost. And so, what about all of that? Well, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. There's the message of the Bible. God the creator. You know, there was a time back years when I first surrendered to preach. And most preachers were saying, oh, when somebody's newly saved, you don't need to get them in the book of Genesis. You need to get them started in the book of love. <laughs> you remember that? Absolutely is what it was. Start in the book of love, the gospel of John. Uh, but it's the gospel of John that said the wrath of God abides on their heads in the third chapter. No. What book do you start in the second half of it? No normal book you should do that. You have to start that book at the beginning. You get all of your introductory remarks, your beginning remarks, and all of that. And when you get into the book of Genesis, the very first thing you get out to bat in the beginning is not poetry. Now they're saying it's all poetry. It's not Hebrew poetry. Read the book of Proverbs. You'll see some Hebrew poetry. But Genesis is not Hebrew poetry. And you don't have to be very smart to see that, but you have to be real intelligent to be able to twist it around and make it what it's not. And that's where they are. No, it doesn't. It, it, it's not in poetical at all. In the beginning, God. What beginning? Just Well, it's actually the same beginning that John. Amen. See, that ought to give you an indicator. If you... If, if you go to the Gospel of John and start there, what is, how does John start? In the beginning. The same beginning that's in Genesis 1. In the beginning of everything that is. Not 50 billion years or 14 billion. Not a great big bang. But it teaches us that God spoke a universe into existence. Now that's not small potatoes, folks. That's not 
people today, uh, churches, so-called theologians, pastors and all, they're saying, oh, well, that's not important stuff. The important stuff is that you believe in Jesus. No, that is very important. In the beginning, there was a beginning. And in the beginning, God spoke everything that is into existence. He didn't. You have him saying, well, you see, he started the process of evolution. Preachers teach that, folks. So-called preachers. Saying that's, that's the way we must teach the Bible. No, no, we must teach the Bible the way it is. In the beginning, God created, made from nothing, the heaven and the earth. Now, the reason it says heaven Heaven singular there. Later on it says heavens. If you remember, Paul was called up to the third heaven. He hadn't divided the heavens to begin with. And you know the King James translation is the only one that makes that distinction. The rest of them make it a plural, which is wrong. It wasn't heavens to start with. It was heaven. And then later he made three heavens. Anyway, uh, now, in the Old Testament, we talked about love being there in, in uh, chapter 27. Look at Exodus 20. Of course, we're past the book of Genesis now. We're in the second book of the Bible. In verse 6, chapter 20, verse 6, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. One of theirs love. Is that God's love towards everybody or is that his people loving him? I think there's a big difference there, folks. <laughs> Look at Deuteronomy. Chapter 7. In verse 7. Well, look, verse 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. He's talking about the nation of Israel. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now there's some, some Baptist so-called brethren that are saying that God backed up, reneged on his, on his covenant. That's why the Jews were finished in 70 A.D. That's, that, that's what they're, they teach. And people, oh, we've got the real truth of it. No, here's the real truth of it. God's eternal love is that. And if, God, if God's love did not last for the Jews in spite of them, then I, you have no security that his love is going to last for you because I got news for you. It's got to be not because of me. It's got to be in spite of me. And everybody else. Now, look back at chapter 4 of Deuteronomy.
Verse 37. <coughs> because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt. Chapter 7. I've already read verse 8. That is to his elect nation. We still don't have God's love for everybody in the world. We have, we've been all over the Bible, right? Really? And we haven't found that yet. You could hardly say if that was a message, it's not the main message of the Bible. We haven't even encountered it yet. All right, so we go on. His true message, as we said in Genesis 1-1, God's existence. Do you realize that that's a big issue in our world today? You know that atheism has grown by leaps and bounds. Our public education system is set up on atheism. The so-called science educators, not all of them, <coughs> but those who are playing the game, they are existing on an atheistic understanding of the universe. Matter of fact, they won't even permit the idea that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. They won't even permit that to come forth. They say, oh, that's not scientific. But this is what they say is scientific. Billions of years ago, everything was reduced to a little dot. And then all of a sudden, it exploded. Nothing exploded. And that, that began this cycle. And the rocks began to be rained on. And after millions and billions of years of raining on them, there were biological scum. And that's where life came from. They call that scientific that they've got life from non-life. Well, you send kids to school and they learn their lessons, they learn that life came from no life. And yet, you know, there's never been one example of anything to ever compare with that. Do you think a rock can grow another rock? But yet you think that that rock could somehow Produce humans. And everything between us and one-celled animals. Now the message of the Bible is this. That there is a sovereign God. He is. He does live. He is sovereign. And he is the sovereign creator. There's the message of the Bible. And you know what? You don't hear many churches talking about that. Not at all. So what they're talking about is, is an assumed message that they picked up from heathenism, not from the Bible. I think I've already given you enough scriptures to show you that if you were just picking up the Bible and going in to read, where would you get the main message of the Bible? The main message of the Bible is that God is. He's sovereign and he spoke a universe into existence. He's the creator God. Well, look at John's gospel. You know what it says. John chapter 1. Verse 
In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. You, you can't mistake that language. That's, that's not poetical. It's not symbolical. It is literal and it is historical. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. So whatever we concluded from Genesis 1... You must conclude the same thing from John 1. There is, God is. There are many false gods. There's only one God. Do you know all the other religions of the world? Hinduism, Buddhism, Mohammed. Well, now Mohammed, he got into this. It says that God made men from blood clots. You might know that that's what they would say. Anybody know of any good that a blood clot does? Dave, you're, did you ever run into a life-saving blood clot? Anyway, that's allegedly what the Muslims believe. Well, they believe it because the Koran says so, that God made us from, Allah made us from blood clots. But other than that, the rest of those religions don't even delve into how we got here. Do you know the only book in the whole wide world that tells us who God is, where he, what he has done, where we came from, what happened to us, and what, what's going to happen to us? That's the only book in the world that tells us. And they do everything they can to destroy it. And I'm, what bothers me is that there's so many preachers that do the same thing, try to destroy it. Anyway, now, if what I'm saying is true, and I think, I think I've given you enough scripture that you know good and well that I am telling the truth, the true message of the Bible. If there is a God... And there he is. He's sovereign. That means he has no equal. That's what sovereign means. He has no equal. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And he has no equal. Our rock is not as their rock. There's not another. That's why thou shalt have no other gods before me. Because there are no other gods before him. Now. If God is, and he is the sovereign creator of everything that you see, you and everything that you see, God made you, he made your mother, he made your daddy, he made your grandparents, he made everybody that you see. This is important, isn't it? This is not sidelined information. It's not a by the way. This is vital. And if there is a God. And he's left a book for us. And here it is. The 66 books of the Bible. And believe you me. All the books that the Bible talks about. Jasher and Gad and all the rest of them. They have nothing to do with the complete new the complete revelation of God. Amen. I wouldn't worry about them. The so-called apocryphal. It's not scripture. Of the making of many books, there's no ends, what the Bible says. Amen. And yes, there have been false books written. Through history there have been. Paul talked about them in 2 Thessalonians. Those letters as from us. What is it? Epistles are his letters. Paul wrote letters, and so there were people writing letters and would sign his name to them, and he wasn't the author of them. They're, they're, trying to, they're forging his name, and they're forging the, the, the letters. They're not from God. We have our 66 books from God. 
And this is the book. There's never been anything proven against it. Historically, scientifically, not a thing proven. People say, I don't believe it. Well, you can believe what you want to. This is the word of God. Now, so if God is all of that, and, it, and he is, and it also says he's holy. Isaiah 6, Isaiah looked in the, up and he saw seraphim, cherubim, seraphim, and they were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. If this God is sovereign, he's the creator, all-powerful, he has no equal, and he is holy, what's our conclusion? If all that's true, and I know it's true, the Bible says it is, no wonder John the Baptist said, Repent ye. Jesus said, Repent, or you shall all likewise perish. There's the message of the Bible. And you know that's the message that you're not hearing much of. Years ago, we had a mission going up in Richmond, Indiana. Who remembers that? And uh, the reason we started that, we had a young lady, and she was raised up out here on the farm. And I used to pick her up every Sunday for services, and Bible school and everything. She was a real fine young lady. And she met a man from Indiana, Ted, Miss Linda and Ted. And they got married, married here. Ted had made a profession of faith, and he was really studious studying the Word. But they moved up there because that's where his job was, working in a factory. It's a good job. And they moved up there, but there wasn't a church. They, finally, they, they, there was a mission opened up where they could drive to it. And uh, they started attending it. It wasn't 30 or 40 miles from their house or something like that. And it was a local church that opened up that mission. Had a young man up there. He was supported full time in that little mission. Uh, so Ted, he went to him one time. He said, brother, I want to talk to you in private. He said, we've been attending here for some time. He said, I've never heard you mention the word repent. What's what's reason for that? Oh, well, he said, you see, my wife's family, they're visiting here. They're not members. I didn't want to make them mad and run them off. Does that register? You mean you're going to doctor up the message? So that you won't offend somebody in, in the flesh? They stopped attending that mission. That's when we start opening up one. Anyway, we went through a lot. Thought we was going to get one going. We didn't. But anyway, put a lot into it. Worked hard with it. But anyway, that's why you don't hear much mention of the word repent. Well, we know that's what Jesus said. We know that's what John the Baptist said. And we see what it is. It's have a different mind or different understanding. Well, the word in the Greek and the word in English have problems because it doesn't really say exactly what it really is. You have to build up a definition of it. But you can see some examples of it. When Saul of Tarsus, he was very busy in hating 
Jesus Christ and all of those who followed Jesus Christ. And that's when he gave the authority to stone Stephen to death. And then so he's on the road to Damascus, which is north of Israel, on the coastline there. And he's going there for the sole purpose to draw out other disciples of Christ and either imprison them or, or execute them because he was guilty of both. Now what kind of a mind, just think about that, what kind of a mind, mindset maybe we say, did Saul of Tarsus have that he literally hated Jesus Christ, the mention of him, and those that loved him? I don't know that I know anybody <coughs> now that would fall into that category, do you? <coughs> I don't really want to know <laughs> don't want to be around them, that's for sure. Not unless I got control of it. But would you all agree that's a pretty bad mindset? All right. So what does repent mean? Now I'm going to show you. When the Lord struck Saul down, Blinded him. Nobody with him knew what was going on. But all of a sudden, the same man that hated Jesus, responsible for the death of Stephen, and going to be responsible for the death of others, all of a sudden, that same man says, Lord, Capital L-O-R-D. What wilt thou have me to do? Now you don't have to understand the terminology. But you can understand the experience. That he went from this mindset of hating Jesus and all those that followed him over to this mindset, calling him Lord. What wilt, wilt thou have me to do? Man. Boy, what a change of mind. <laughs> we say, well, repentance is a change of mind. Yeah, well, boy, we see it there, don't we? Well, we go back on the cross. Two thieves on either side of Jesus. And as it starts out, they're both railing at Jesus, who's hanging on a cross between them. Now understand, they're, they're in pain, but they're, they're not in anywhere near the pain that Jesus is in. And beside all that, they're guilty of what they're guilty of. Jesus is not guilty of it. He's Suffering for his people. So they're both. Have you, you are who you say you are. Get us. Get yourself down and get us down. Also. I don't believe you're anything. Just like we are. But then all of a sudden. Now that's, that's, that's the mindset. That both of them had. But we don't see anything, but boy, we sure do hear it. All of a sudden, one of the thieves talks back to the other thief. And he says, this man has done nothing wrong. We're here indeed justly. We, we both deserve what we're getting. So he looks to Jesus 
And he believes what even Nicodemus couldn't believe. Jesus said you must be born again to either see or enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus couldn't see it. All he could see was a grown man entering again to his mother's womb, which is utterly ridiculous. But there the thief says, Lord, Captain, same thing the apostle that Saul of Tarsus, same, that's what a confession is, isn't it? Saying the same thing. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Man, what has happened to that man's mind? Look at his worldview now. Look at his mindset now. Look at what it was just veritably seconds ago. Now look at what it is. Now he's calling him Lord and just asking him to remember me. He didn't even ask to get into the kingdom. Just remember me. And then the Lord said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So anyway. Good examples, aren't they? So what's the word repent mean? Remember Saul of Tarsus and remember the thief on the cross. There's repentance. <coughs> but we also can see something else. That they didn't bring it on themselves. That had to be a work of God. All right. So the scriptural order is repent and believe the gospel. The Campbellites turn that around. You'll never hear a Campbellite ever say, uh, repent and believe. He always says, believe and repent. Because he doesn't know what saving faith is. Because his salvation is not by faith, it's by works. And he'll never say, repent and believe. He says, believe and repent. Because he doesn't know what either one of them is. That's what they'll all, you, if you ever listen to them, you, you hear what I say. So the scriptural order, anytime repent and believe is together, repent is first and believe. Well, why, why is that? You've got to have another mind. The message of the Bible is repent, which means that you've got to change. That's why people don't like it. Preachers don't want to preach it. Acts 17. You know what it says. I, Paul preached on Mars Hill. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your prof, own prop of poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art or man's device. That eliminates all of your idols there. He covered them all right there in that verse. Pictures, statues, everything. And verse 30, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So, well, they can't. Doesn't make any difference. God's commanded them to. And they'll give account for not doing it. <laughs> all these people say, well, I don't have anything to do with it. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. And you'll find out before long. All men everywhere, that's what he said, all men, all human beings everywhere to repent. Well, man's natural mind is that enmity against God. Look at Romans 8. Be done here in a minute.
<coughs> Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Carnally is fleshly. Fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, that's your natural fleshly mind, is enmity against God. Your mind, your natural mind, is the enemy of God. That ought to be a stark realization for a lot of people who've been taught that God loves them. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Did you read in our Sunday school lesson? Solomon pleased God. He'd probably say, man, I mean, you know, they that are in flesh came. Well, he pleased God because of what he asked for. This says that, doesn't it? Yeah. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you know how many people don't know that? These people, a homosexual bishop got him a husband. How many religious people does he come in contact with every day, every week? Hundreds of them all over. And then through those articles and all that. And they all think they're okay. But they cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh. He's talking to the church at Rome. But in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. If the spirit of God is in you, you're a spiritual being. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're not saved. So. Man's natural mind is at enmity against God. That's where we are. That's why the very first main message of the Bible. God is. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's the creator. Therefore, you must repent. There's the message of the Bible. I'll close with this. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 46. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. That's the only alternative to not repenting. So the message of the Bible has nothing to do with God loving everybody and wishing he could do something with everybody. That's not where it is.